Welcome to the Stuttering Mind podcast. I'm Rama Siva, author and speech coach, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on stuttering and stammering. You can find the episode show notes, your free seven-step guide to expressing yourself and lots more information at stutteringmind.com. Let's get started. episode number 20. In today's episode we have Brian Skelton and he's a person who stutters. He works at the British Museum and I'm grateful for being invited to this historic place to conduct this podcast interview. I'm honored to have Brian Skelton on Stuttering Mind. Welcome Brian. Hello, uh, thank you very much for inviting me to do this uh, podcast. Thank you. <coughs> what is your earliest memory of stuttering or trying to get your words out? Um, my earliest memory is when I was um, young, when I was five and a half, my, my mother um, passed away from cancer and a year and a half later my father had a heart attack and I believe that that's when I started to stammer. I'm from a, I've got two older sisters and older brother, I'm the youngest in the family. And I believe that it affected me at that time more than my um, brothers and sisters. Obviously, it did affect them, but it, I think that that's because I was the youngest. It affected me that that a uh, bit more. Does anyone else in your family stutter? No, no. It, it was only only me. There's no history of stuttering. Grandparents, uncles, uh, aunts, cousins. No, no, nothing at all like that. No, so. When it's uh, when I started it, no one really knew knew what to do or, or why I was doing it. And uh, when were you born? I was born in uh, 1954. Okay. 11th of July 1954. Okay. And back then, did you know anyone else who started, or were you the only one? Uh, no, I believe I was the only one. Obviously, as I grew up, I. Um, realize that uh, it affected other people it wasn't just me but at that time I didn't really know anyone at all no mm. and can you recall your earliest memory of stuttering my earliest, earliest memory yeah of um, you at school or were you with friends um, I think it was when I was at school that's when I can remember it and um, when I was about uh, eight or but yeah, just before I was eight, I went into Dr. Nardo's, which is a children's home. And one of my memories there is that um, some of the children take the, take, the, take the rise, take the mickey out of my stammer. And one of the things that I can still remember to this day is that they would go around singing. Because <laughs> at that time, when I first went into the home, I went wet the bed, so they would go around singing, oh, blah, 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 Brian, wet the bed, wet the bed, and that's sort of stuck with me all these years, I could still still remember that sort of thing. I know, well, obviously, they, if it's because they, they didn't really know how else to um, approach it, sort of thing. Did you feel very um, alone when you were in the children's home? Were you on your own, or were you with your siblings as well, your brothers uh, and sisters? 
when I first went in there, yeah, my my brother was in there with me, but he was um, a few years older than me, so he um, he was there for three, four years before he left, because he was that much older. And um, then I was um, sort of on my own, and I did feel um, sort of uh, uh, lonely, if you like. But it, I think um, some of the other children, after a while, they sort of think they probably got fed up with, <laughs> with keep, um, keep going on about it. That's what used to really upset me. Because some days I'd have good days that I didn't stammer. But even when I didn't, people would still say, oh, there's a boy that's, that, that talks funny and things like that. Yeah. So at that young age, were you aware that you were able to read out aloud or speak out aloud when you were completely alone? Um, yes, yeah, yeah. And I found out later as well that um, if you um, project your voice, that helps. And um, doing that, uh, obviously at that time I didn't realise that or know, know that. But, uh, and I know if you get angry, you don't stand either. Yeah, same but with me. Yeah, but I can't go around shouting at people all day. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was 11 years old, I was angry and I was shouting at my friend. And I remembered that I didn't stutter. That was the first time that I remembered right, yeah. or recall a situation where I did not stutter. Because prior to that, all my experiences of speaking was speaking with a stutter. And what about whispering? Did you try whispering at that time? Um, yeah, I think um, certain times I, I did because I didn't want other people to hear me. So I think that that... And the other thing that affected me when I did that was you'd get people saying, pardon, what? And then think, bloody hell, I've got to say it all again. Okay. <laughs> I'd struggled to say it in the first time and then they say that they didn't hear you, so you've got to say it again. Yeah, so... When you were whispering, were you stuttering? When you were whispering, can you re um, remember? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I think I was, yeah. Okay, but uh, you do recall quite clearly that when you were alone, completely alone, you were able to read out and speak out aloud, perfectly fine. Yeah, I could do it with like with animals or with. You could um, speak to animals. Yeah, and children. I, yeah, I love speaking to cats. <laughs> uh, I could speak to cats all day long without stuttering, and. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So you yourself found that you could speak to animals and young children yeah. without stuttering? I think it's because uh, they don't understand the, the people that, that you're stammering or why you're doing it. Yeah. So how old were you when you were talking to animals and young children? Um, I was probably eight or nine. Eight or nine? Yeah. Oh, great, great. So at that young age, you, could, you were aware that you were able to speak perfectly fine with um, young animals. Um, yeah, I think so, That's yeah. Great. yeah. Great. So, um, when did you start speech therapy? Um, the first time I started speech therapy was, I, I think it was when I was sort of in my 20s. I didn't really uh, have anything before that. Mm. And uh, <laughs> when I went, because I did it on the National Health, I was referred to when I was at work, I first started my first job, and they noticed that I was stammering, so they referred me to um, 
um, a hospital, like speech therapy. Mm. And I went to this, um, um, he was like uh, this woman that uh, helped me. And uh, I remember the first time I went, or the couple of times I went there, she was speaking to me and asking me to do these different things, like putting square square pegs in holes and... And you were 20 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, silly things. And, <laughs> and I think it's about the third time I went back, she asked me to read Janet and John books. Okay. The, the um, children's sort of books. Yeah. And I think this was aimed more at um, children. Of, of course, I should yeah. hope so. <laughs> yeah, she, she didn't really know, or they didn't really know how to deal with adults. It yeah. was for children. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't go back because I felt when she was asking me about this Janet and John thing, I, I really felt, um, what's the word? I really felt like I was being... Um, Made, made, a, made a fool of, if you like. Yeah, of course, of course. So, um, how was your personality uh, when you were a young child, a teenager? Um, did stuttering affect you? Uh, yeah, it did actually. It did, it did affect me quite a lot. The thing I can remember uh, more than anything is the. Uh, 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 bullying, and it still affects me now. Just talking about it, it sort of it brings back all those sort of memories. Because yeah. I think in them sort of times, the early 60s, there wasn't so much known about stammering and there wasn't so much help. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, there's a, a lot more help and yeah. people know a lot more about it. And I yeah. think in those days, it, there, there wasn't. I don't know if it's anybody's fault, really, but yeah. I think that's how it was then. Yeah, and um, were you a shy, retiring type of person, or were you quite talkative? Um, I was shy, yes. I didn't really talk a lot. Mm. And I know when I was in, in school, and they'd ask you to... I'd always sort of shy away from doing things. Yeah. And occasions they asked you to read out. Like read from a maybe read from a book and things like that. Yeah. And I, I did, I did used to, and I remember some some of the boys used to sit. So I used to go to a little boys' school, yeah. and some of the boys used to sit behind me, and they would, what I was reading, they would be saying it, and so I, yeah, was sort of copying them. <laughs> so okay, and you found that your speech was okay. Um. Yeah, I found that. I don't know if they was helping me really, but they, yeah. they, it did. I was sort of was sort of saying, yeah. I think they, they thought they was helping me yeah. by doing that. Okay. And how was your speech with your two sisters and brother? Um, it was okay. Yeah, I think it wasn't too bad because they they didn't really something. I would never ever talk about my stammer. I wouldn't talk to my family or anybody and uh, they I don't think they really understood uh, about my about, um, stammering I could maybe talk about that a little bit later yeah. when we go on a bit but okay. I, I really don't think um, you know, people understood yeah and like many people uh, say my name what's the challenge yeah. uh, what challenging words or sounds or situations did you have 
Um, well, my name, to be honest, was the worst thing. And as I, I got older, it's might sound a bit silly, but I changed my name. I changed it to something I could say. I called myself Fred a few times. Someone asked me the name, oh, Fred. And I'd shake their hand and yeah. And <laughs> I remember, perhaps I shouldn't laugh about this, but a few years ago, yeah. I'd said this, uh, that I'd read to someone, and I'd never ever thought I'd see this person again. Yeah. And I was, I was walking down the road, and I heard this man shouting out, Fred, Fred, and I think, who's he talking to? And he was actually talking to me. Okay. <laughs> so so <laughs> I, I, I did explain to him a little while later that my name wasn't Fred. And he sort of, and we had a bit of a, a, bit of a laugh about it. Well, he's got a good memory. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, while growing up and stuttering, what were your thoughts about yourself? Um, my thoughts about myself, it's, um, I don't know, I felt, sometimes I felt a bit of a shame that I couldn't speak properly. And I can remember one time when I was in the home, because the people that used to look after us, we called them Uncle and Auntie, or Auntie and Uncle. And it was Uncle Ken and Auntie Pat. And I remember when I was 11, Auntie Pat asked me what I wanted for my, my birthday. And uh, I said that I wanted to speak like the other children. And <laughs> um, obviously she, um, didn't know what to say about that, but she said, you, you know, um, oh, she, she tried to help me, I think, at that time. Mm. But I said that, that that's what I wanted to, to, uh, to do. Because all the, obviously all the other children were sort of speaking okay and everything. Yeah, that's the same with me. I remember as a child, uh, praying to God to help me to speak. Mm. And I was angry with God for not helping me, because I could see everyone else speaking well, and it's just me. So I resented going to church, to temple, <coughs> to pray, to a God that wouldn't help me. Because mm. also I thought at that time that it was only me, I didn't, and with the name thing as well, I thought it was just me that couldn't say my name. Yeah. I didn't realise that uh, other people that stammer find it difficult to say their name as well. Yeah. So, um, could you share what was your first job? My first job, yeah. I, I was always quite good with um, doing things with my hands and I used to like uh, uh, cooking. Mm -hmm. And my first job was as a trainee chef. Okay. And the first job I got was working at the um, London Hospital okay. in you know, Whitechapel. Whitechapel. And one of the... I think one of the reasons I got that job was the in the home they had a bit of a, a network, different because uh, you had um, a, a social worker, yeah. and I had and that I had this man, his name Mr. Bacon, I, think okay. <laughs> I can remember, yeah. and he he helped me get this job. Yeah. I didn't have to have an interview or anything, but I can remember okay. I, he yeah. sort of um, took me there and introduced me, and I got the job that way. Okay. So you said that um, you first went to speech therapy while you were working there? Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they sort of um, obviously noticed that I stammered yeah. and they re referred me to the uh, speech therapy. Yeah. And you mentioned that you only went for three times. 
Uh, yeah. So what did you do regarding your speech after that? Um, after that, I, to be honest, I didn't do anything. I just sort of well, give up, if you like. Mm. And I found that, um, I think, well, probably not just me, but I think if you really want to do, the best time to do something is if you really want to do it, you can't make people do things that they don't want to do. So Indeed. I found, yeah. Indeed. And, well, you'll hear about that bit later as well. <laughs> so <laughs> Explain I'd other things. Did you ever feel depressed or down due to the stuttering? Uh, yeah, there was a time when I did really feel uh, depressed and it really affected me. While I was at work, I got a job as a... Um, I got made redundant from being a chef and I got a job in a, uh, as a security for a contract security firm and um, I, when I was, um, one of my jobs was to work in the reception at this job and um, it was one day that I was working there and I was, um, a man delivered this parcel and he, um, uh, this, I signed for it, I've uh, yeah, been on the reception, I signed for this parcel and this uh, parcel went missing and I got the blame for it, the, the man that I was working for, the company I was working for, the, um, my boss blamed me, said it's your fault that the company could lose the contract and some of the other people that I was working with as well, they started to blame me saying that they could lose their job and this went on for about six weeks and it really affected me. I couldn't um, hardly speak, my stammer really, really, really come out at that time. I found it hard to maybe put two words together and uh, I was yeah, really depressed and really down about it. And it was, because I used to do shift work, I'd do days and nights, and it was at this time that I was due to start nights, that um, I'd, I'd say I was really depressed and really felt down, that I just decided oh, I can't go on with this anymore, I, I, I just don't want to, um, I can't do this anymore, so I just went round, round the pub to have a few drinks. Well, I was supposed to be starting nights. This was sort of uh, lunchtime, so I went round. Which year was that? Oh, you're talking quite a few years ago. Um, uh, <laughs> well, can I come back? I'll come with you. I would say my 40s then. And uh, I, as I was drinking, I was right around the pub. This thought just came into my head that I, I just couldn't carry on with this anymore. I just, you know, I was so sort of down about it and so depressed that I thought I'm going to commit suicide. I just, you know, I thought that, that everything would finish then and it wouldn't, um, I wouldn't have to worry about anything. So I went. I went home and I 
went up to my um, my flat where I live, and I got a bit of uh, rope out of the um, out the loft and tied it, uh, made a noose out of it, and uh, I, I I was you know this was really sort of thinking I was going to actually do this, and I put a table and a chair in the hallway. And I went to the front door and wrote a note, a note out, like to to uh, people, so that they um, would know, sort of, if anyone found it. And I left the door slightly open, like the front door. And I went back to the to the hallway where I'd left the, the uh, rope and got on the chair, on the table and chair. And it was at this point that I was sort of. Actually, I remember thinking about what I was going to actually do, and I heard this sort of noise, this meow, meow, and it, it was the cat from next door. She got in through the open door, and um, as I was sort of standing there, because I used to feed this cat, so <laughs> it was obviously knew what she'd come in for. So I. Um, I, thought, I just remember standing there thinking, bloody hell, I, I can't do this, I've got to feed the cat, I've got to get down. So I took the rope off and got down and I fed, fed the cat. I got some milk out of the fridge. And um, sort of thinking about it, that, um, sort of, that cat sort of saved my life. So I'm, I'm sort of, I remember picking it up and cuddling the cat. And, putting the cat outside and it was sort of afterwards that um, my boss phoned me up when I was at home, asked me where I was, why wasn't I at work and I, I just said to him that I didn't feel well, I just went to bed and fell asleep or I laid on my bed and fell asleep and he sort of um, accepted that and uh, I went I went back to work afterwards, but I didn't tell anyone about what I, I, I only spoke to one person about that. And I know perhaps I should have, or could have gone to like Samaritans or something like that, and they would have helped me, but I didn't really do that. So that sort of lived with me for, for all these years. So how did you um, pick yourself up from that point? Uh, from from that point, I um, I sort of um, I just I don't know myself in work if you like, and sort of just thought right that, that was a silly thing to do. I've got, got to get on with this, you know. And <laughs> some I didn't mention was that um, they when I spoke to my boss uh, at that time that I was, he said to me that the parcel was found that afternoon. And so, if I'd have gone through with it, that, that, that parcel was found that, that afternoon that he, he rung up. So it wasn't my fault after all. But, yeah. uh, and no one ever sort of said, he never said sorry or anything. But <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was sort of just, I don't know, it was um, one of them things, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it's the. Uh universe talking to you with a cat 
and um, letting them find the parcel because it was missing for like six weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's about six weeks. And they, they found it. Someone had locked it in a cupboard. Uh, yeah. One of the people working there had locked this parcel away in a cupboard and no one had ever really looked for it. It was only okay. when someone was that sort of found it. What made you try this Starfish project and when was that? Um, if I go back a few years before that, it was in 2002 when there was a television program called Pop Idol. And it, I remember watching it, this program, on a Saturday. And um, there was a young man on there called Gareth Gates who has a, a stammer. Uh, he's a singer, songwriter from Bradford. And I can remember watching him each Saturday as he got, uh, he, he was a runner-up in the contest. And he, um, and I, I was just amazed that, that he could actually do this in front of millions of people. And I remember thinking at that time that if he could do this that, uh, to all these people, I need to do something about my, my stammer. So that was in 2002, and I didn't really do anything at that time. It was only a while later, it was in 2005, or maybe 2004, I saw this article in the newspaper, in the Sun newspaper. It was, <laughs> I don't know if you know, or know about the Deirdre column, not too sure she still yeah. has it in there, but that's more for sort of um, uh, problems and different things. Mm -hmm. And I read this article from this young lady who, who I've since met, mm -hmm. and she mentioned the Starfish Project, and she put a um, link there, uh, the telephone number and the email address. So I cut this bit of paper out of the or cut this um, article out of the paper and I took it home and left it in the drawer for maybe, I don't know, six or eight months or something. And at one time I was really having a bad time and I was just looking for something else in the drawer and I'd come across this article and I thought, right, it's about time I did something about this, I need to do something. So I rang up the, um, the Sarfish Project and the first lady that I spoke to was her daughter, actually. She said that the lady I wanted to speak to, and she did gone out. She said, oh, can I leave your name? And I said, no, I'll bring her back. And um, <laughs> I, di I didn't really know at that time whether I would, but I did, I rung back. And so I'm really happy that I did that. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to Anne about the Starfish Project. And I booked myself on the three-day course, which I went to in May 2005. And this might sound a bit corny, but those three days really did change my life. When I was there, they teach you a breathing technique. And they teach you about doing projection as well, which, which really helps. And um, I think... Obviously, that did help me. I think that helped me more than anything was actually talking about my stomach. Mm -hmm. 
because I would never ever talk to anyone about it. So I think that that really helped me and give me a lot of confidence because I was speaking to people that actually understood what I was talking about and they'd been through the same sort of things that I'd been through. So that, that really did help. And, and it was on that uh, three-day course that I met a man called Barry, Barry Ricks. I know you've done a podcast with him, which helped me a lot. He's been my mentor, if you like, coach. And not, well, he would be stammering, he's helped me a lot. And he uh, was running at that time a, a, um, a help group in Essex, the stammering um, uh, starfish support group and in Chelmsford and uh, I used to go I used to go to this uh, group a few times and he told us about um, Toastmasters and how much it had helped him with his uh, speaking and his confidence and um, I remember speaking to him and saying oh this sounds good could you know and it was at that time that he was helping to start a new um, club in Chelmsford so he, I went along to to this um, this meeting. They had what they call a tryout meeting. This was in 2007. So I went along to this um, to this club, and I remember there there was probably about 30, 40 people in the room, and I didn't know this was going to happen. I'd have known, perhaps I wouldn't have gone. They was um, asking people to introduce themselves and say their names and why they was there. And I remember I was sitting next to Barry and we was about probably halfway down in the room. And as it was going along, I was getting more and more sort of scared and getting worried about what they was going to ask. So Barry introduced himself. And when it came to my turn, I just couldn't get my name out, I just sort of blocked. And it seemed like ages I was standing there, blah, 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 you know, trying to say my name. And I remember Barry saying to me, you know, give me eye contact, and he helped me with that. And um, I remember saying to Barry, because he gave me a lift back to the station, and I said to him, I don't think I can yeah, I'm not going to go through this anymore, I can't do this. And he sort of, he sort of um, talked me around, like he had done quite a few times, different things. And, and uh, I really, obviously really happy that, that I did, that I sort of carried it on. But I remember that sort of incident really stuck with me. Thank you. What advice would you give to someone who's uh, struggling with their speech? Um, advice I'd give them must be to um, try and um, uh, push push yourself or push out your comfort zones, but just try to be the person that you want to be. And um, that's another thing that has helped me as well is sort of helping other people. So I go back to the Starfish project uh, whenever I can. Sort of really helped me because um, like talking about things I did earlier, I would never 
ever imagined talking even when I mentioned earlier about wetting wetting the bed I would never ever talk about things like that but um, that's doing that and <clears throat> one of the I enjoy going to the adult ones but they do courses for uh, they call them young adults from 11 to 16 year olds mm -hmm. and I love going back to help them the, the, the youngsters and you hear some horrific stories about people still taking the mickey out even teachers do it as well which I was horrified when I heard some of these children telling me this it really sort of made me um, angry if you like that this sort of thing still goes on yeah unfortunately uh, unless we raise more awareness in schools with the teachers and other students uh, people won't really understand as to what uh, as to why people stutter mm. and how we can help them and yeah. by taking the mickey it doesn't help at all it just uh, makes them get, get back into their shell and it just feeds a stutter yeah of course it does i, I think as well that um, people perhaps do it because uh, they don't understand and they think that they um, it, there's maybe their first reaction because they, they don't understand and once they understand what's, what's happening they, they, they'd like to help people. Yeah. What has been the one thing or maybe three things that has helped you most in being able to express yourself uh, because now you're really eloquent, you're really able to communicate effectively and I guess it's very different to a few years ago, right? Oh yeah, yeah, very, very, very different. Um, a few years ago, I would never ever talk about my stammer or talk about um, anything. And it's um, my stammer was um, I'd hide, hide myself, or um, uh, what's called different, um, say different words for different. If I couldn't get the one word out. And I, I can always remember people looking, what's he going on? I'd say maybe three or four words just to get one, say, you know, one word. Mm. And I'd always, people would sort of look at me, think, well, why, why is he going, saying all these words mm. when he doesn't need to say them? Mm. So, yeah, I was, um, I can't remember what the word is for that. Um, word substitution. Yeah, substitute, different words. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was um, wouldn't really say the things that I wanted to say or do the things that I I wanted to do. That was the thing that really um, affected me as well at that time. You mentioned that you went on the Starfish Project and doing the cost of breathing really helped. So apart from that, what other things helped you? Um, it was actually talking about my stamina, I think that helped. That's one of the things that really helped me a lot. And I remember being on one of the young person's courses. There's this uh, young boy, I think he was about 12 or 13 at the time. And he'd been there like the um, couple months before. And he'd gone back on the, uh, the young person's course. And he said that he'd gone into his school and told everyone in the stood up in front of assembly mm. and told uh, the whole school where he'd been and what he'd done it, 
during that summer. And that really sort of thought, well, wow, you know, to do something like that at that young age. I would never ever have done anything like that, but that sort of made me think, right, that's something I want to do. So it was um, obviously a few years later. It was actually last year at, um, at the museum that I did a speech talking about my stammer and how it affected me. And it took me all that time to, to actually do it, but I'm really happy that I did. It's something that I wanted to do and needed to do, to be honest. Yeah, and have you found that the more you talk about stuttering and your life story, uh, the more release you get from the stuttering and you find that your speech is much more effortless? Um, yeah, I do, I do. I, I think it, it has helped me a lot, actually. And, as I mentioned earlier, helping other people as well, because I know there's also with... Um, Toastmasters. I've been, been I was uh, first started up at Chelmsford Speakers with uh, Barry, and uh, I'd got um, you work through different projects and do different uh, things for um, speaking and for um, leadership skills as well. You learn, yeah. and I remember getting through all these, going through these manuals. And I felt, I felt um, comfortable doing this at this uh, club. This might sound a bit strange, but <laughs> I did. I really felt like I was just turning up and just going through the motions, if you like. And I remember saying to Barry one night, I need, I don't know if I should say this word, but I said, I need to shit myself <laughs> so I can push myself. I need yes. to yeah, really scare myself. Yeah. Perhaps that's a better word. <laughs> and um, so I, I joined um, another club in uh, London because yeah. going to Chelmsford was quite a long, long journey for me. I had yeah. to get the train there. So I joined a um, London club. And one of the clubs that was starting up at that time was in 2012. Mm -hmm. And it was after the film The King's Speech came out. Mm -hmm. This man, Harminder Dillon, mm -hmm. he started this club called um, King Speakers, mm -hmm. which was obviously after the film. Mm -hmm. And it's for people that stammer or have social anxiety. And I was asked just to go along, just to help out to yeah. start with and to do a few speeches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I ended up joining, I still belong to a club nowadays. Great, great. And, um, so when you were going along to the Chelmsford Speakers Club, you found that your fear of stuttering had diminished because you wanted to find an experience that scared you, right? Um, yeah, 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 I did. <laughs> I, I won't say diminished, but I did, uh, yeah, it did. I, one of the things I find as well is when I go to, I go to different clubs and you find that people that don't stammer are scared themselves of um, public speaking because public speaking is one of the biggest fears of anybody, not just people that stammer, but anybody's mm. public, public speaking is, is, is up there as a scary thing Yeah, yeah. and people just don't want to do it all. Yeah, I mean I think it's the number one fear of most adults. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. and I, I find that um, I it's like to me it's a challenge, and I yeah sort of push myself to actually to actually do it. So it's because um, we have a thing called um, table topics mm -hmm. where you you're asked a question it doesn't and you won't necessarily you well you won't know what the question is, but it helps in sort of different situations like at work your boss might ask you a question yeah. so doing table topics and I found that um, at the King Speakers Club that everyone wants to do these table topics mm -hmm. but if I go to um, an, say a normal club mm -hmm. <laughs> a club where people don't stand and no one wants to do it they're too scared to get up to, oh, okay. to do this okay. but it's, it's really I say really sort of um, weird that people that stammer want to want to get up and want to speak. Yeah, I guess the people who are working on their speech now are looking for a challenge. Yeah. And okay. doing a table, table topic is a challenge. It is, oh yeah, it is, yeah. Well, th thank you so much, Brian, for having me at the British Museum. Uh, I've loved the experience and thank you for sharing your story. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been, it has been um, an experience as well. I know we've done it, we've had to stop a few times because people have been asking me where different places are, but uh, I suppose that's the, it's better to be here than be hidden away somewhere. Exactly, it's to um, show that you stammer and so what. Yeah, yeah, so what, yeah. And you come here in your, your, your stuttering mind t-shirt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you found it really helpful. You may also like the backlist episodes and show notes at stutteringmind.com forward slash podcast. You can also get the seven steps to expressing yourself free guide at stutteringmind.com forward slash free guide. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. You can connect with me on all social media platforms I'm looking for stuttering mind. Thank you again and look forward to connecting with you.